Warning, this episode contains stories with violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, welcome back to the Konyo History Club. We're happy you could join us again. Grab a seat, grab a drink, and let's get this meeting started. I am Ben, and this is Camille. And today, we'll be continuing the horrors of history, our Halloween special. Tonight, we'll be talking about Maria Labo, the exorcism of Clarita Villanueva. Let's get this started. The story of Maria Labo. The exact location of where Maria Labo hails from varies, but the stories all have one thing in common. Tragedy. Stories say that Maria Labo was an OFW working in England, and it was there that she labored to provide for her beloved family, her loving husband, and their wonderful son. During her time there, it was said that she had a good employer and that she was treated well. Despite this though, she didn't know her employer's deadly secret. In the months she was employed, Maria worked as both her employer's maid and caregiver, and for the meals that she prepared, she would always serve half-cooked liver, which her employer happily ate. In retrospect, this was what should have put Maria on her guard, hinting at her mysterious employer's true nature, that he was a vampire. Days turned to months, and Maria began to feel sick. Not knowing the reason for her sudden ailment, the unknown cause for her sickness, however, was allegedly the blood of her employer that she had accidentally ingested. Not feeling any better though, Maria decided to head home to her family in the Philippines and regain her strength. But this would prove a dangerous decision. When Maria arrived home and met her family, she was overjoyed, not having seen them in so long. She held each of them tightly, happy to be surrounded by her loved ones once more. But as days went on, Maria st- but as days went on, Maria suddenly started craving for something she couldn't quite place. Was it pork? Beef? She cooked all that she could think of to sate her appetite, but none seemed to fit her craving. She looked around their house, and then her eyes settled. Her wandering eyes were now fixed at a singular point, her child's arm. Later that day, her husband returned home from work and sat at the dining table, telling Maria of his day, as Maria set the table and placed the food. After a while, the husband asked where their son was, not having seen him when he entered. Maria replied, Ah, nanjan! Puzzled, the husband asked again where the child was. Maria then pointed at the food she had laid down on the table. Her husband's eyes fell upon the meat skewered on his fork, halfway to his mouth. He could not believe what he was hearing. His stomach felt heavy. Anak ko? Kinakain ko anak ko? 
His ears were ringing, and then there was silence. He could not hold the rage that was festering inside him. He pushed back his chair and grabbed his bolo and slashed at Maria, slicing her across the face. Maria rushed out of the house, bleeding from the huge gash on her face. It is said that Maria was driven insane because of her desire for human flesh, which inevitably led her to kill her child and earned her the scorn of her husband. From that day on, it is believed that Maria would stalk different places within the Philippines, seeking the taste of flesh once again. Whenever Maria was believed to be in any place within the Philippines, the people tried to find and kill her to save their own children. In fact, it's believed that her very own husband continued to haunt her until his death to avenge their child. The Exorcism of Clarita Villanueva As told by Eliza Romero Clarita Villanueva, a 17-year-old Filipino girl, had known a life of tragedy. She did not know her father. She did not know if he died or had deserted her mother. Her mother was a fortune teller by vocation. The girl was brought up watching her mother holding seances, communicating with the dead, and using clairvoyance to predict to people what they would expect in the future. Her mother took money from people for her services and then laughed at them behind their backs. To her, it was all just a game, a means of making a living by duping unsuspecting and gullible people. When Clarita was 12 years old, her mother died. Since she did not have any immediate family to take her in and care for her, she turned to prostitution for survival. At 18, she moved to Manila with her boyfriend, but found out that he was already married, so she began working as an exotic dancer. The big city was a hiding place, a center of money and vice for business. But one morning, 2 a.m., on the streets of downtown Manila, Clarita was picked up by the police who suspected her of being a vagrant of homeless. The police called for a vehicle, and Clarita was taken to the ancient Belived prison, used as the city jail. Belived has been a prison for over 300 years. It was built by the Spanish and used by the Americans, the Filipinos, and the Japanese as prison and a place of torment. Two days after Clarita was incarcerated, there struck the strangest phenomenon to ever hit the livid prison in its 300-year history. This young woman was bitten severely on her body by unseen and unknown alien entities. She claimed there were two of them, a huge monster-like spirit and a smaller one. They sunk their fangs and teeth deep into her flesh, 
making deep indentations. They would bite her neck, back, legs, and arms simultaneously. Blood flowed, mostly underneath her skin, from the bites. The 18-year-old girl screamed in horror and fainted. The guards and medics heard the commotion and came running to the women's division of the prison. The other female inmates pointed to the writhing, tormented girl on a cot. The girl was taken to the prison hospital for observation and treatment, where all the doctors declared that they had never seen anything like it. These strange demonic bitings began to occur daily, baffling all who saw it. Dr. Mariana Lara, the chief medical examiner at the prison, appealed for help through the media and permitted men to view the strange phenomenon. Filipino, Chinese, and American doctors, university professors, and other professionals were called into analyze the situation. After three awful weeks of this torture, a radio reporter came to believe it and taped a session while the doctors were violently struggling with Clarita. The reporter immediately released his story on a local radio station just after the 10 o'clock news. The news media soon caught wind the occurrence, and sent more reporters out to investigate. The newspapers, radio stations, and magazines found it their kind of story and began to publicize it. Even the cartoonists were soon drawing pictures of the entities of Clarita's depictions. As the bitings continued day by day, the UPI and other world news services began to report the phenomenon worldwide. From the barrier minor, it stated, writhing under a vampire attack, Clarissa Villanueva, 18 of Manila, Philippines, is watched anxiously by the city's mayor. She is held by police officer, doctor, and nurse. This incident also made the front page of many newspapers from Switzerland, France, Germany, England, Canada, and of course, the United States. One doctor accused the girl of cutting, of putting on an act in order only to get publicity. Farida gazed at the doctor and said, You will die. He didn't feel at the moment. The following day, the doctor expired without even getting sick. He simply died. Fear struck the city, and that news was spread about. The girl was not only a harlot, they said. She was also a witch who would speak curses upon human beings, and they would die. The chief jailer had a confrontation with the girl. He had kicked her for something she had done wrong, but rebelling against him. Clarita looked at the jailer in cold, inhuman hate, and said, You will die. 
Within four days, the man was dead and buried, the second person to fall victim to a curse. Dr. Lara and his medical staff were deeply concerned that a prisoner who certainly was not crazy, but who was being wildly attacked by unseen entities and being bitten deeply on all parts of her body by creatures no one else could see. They were afraid that this thing would kill them, as it had the two others who dared cross it. It was their responsibility to do something for the girl. Yet they had no earthly idea what to do about the situation. It was beyond their medical knowledge. Who were these alien entities? The large one, Clarita said, was a monster in size. He was black and very hairy. He had fangs that came down on each side of his mouth. It was a set of buck teeth all the way round. The doctors verified her description by the teeth marks on her body. Buck teeth solid all the way around the bite, rather than sharp teeth in the front. The smaller entity was almost like a dwarf. He would climb up her body to bite her up her torso. Both of these spirits liked to bite her where there was a lot of flesh, like the back of her leg, the back of her neck, the fleshy part of her upper arms. They would bite deep into her, leaving ugly, painful bruises. Dr. Lara and his assistants called in all sorts of observers. Medical doctors, surgeons, psychiatrists, and professors from the Far East University. They claimed they saw bite marks appear out of nowhere in Clarita's arms. Dr. Lara also described the bite marks as otherworldly, if they were too large and round. A human bite, in reference, was elliptical and seemed to have been made by mourners. No one had ever witnessed such strange and demonic behavior, nor did they know any solution to the problem. They all wondered who would be the next victim of a curse. Dr. Lara and his staff sent out word globally, Come and help us. Please help us. In the end, hopelessness urged them to finally resort to exorcism. Reverend Lester Sumrall heeded the call. Because I was a foreigner in the Philippines, I went to the mayor's office and asked permission to see Clarita. He granted me his permission but warned me that several people had been injured by the girl and that two had been cursed and were dead. I went with the understanding that I would not sue the government if I was hurt, and that I would not complain if mistreated. When I arrived at prison, the head doctor of six physicians, Dr. Lara, was skeptical of this foreign minister, but he finally permitted me to see the girl. Clarita was brought into a special room, where the Reverend was waiting with a large group of news reporters, foreign members of the press, 
university professors and medical doctors who had been invited by Dr. Lara. As Clarita was being led into the room, she looked at them and said nothing. But when she saw Reverend Sumrall, she screamed violently, I hate you! That was the beginning of the confrontation. There was a raging battle with the girl, blaspheming God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Her eyes were burning, coals of fire, and full of hate. I commanded the evil spirit to lose her. After a three-day confrontation with the devil in her, the miracle of God came upon her. She relaxed, smiled, and said, He's gone, indicating that the thing went out the window. And with that, we end our meeting. Thank you for joining us again this week and learning more about the horrors of Philippine history. Let us hear from you and tell us how we can do better. Reach out to us on Twitter at Konya History Club or at KonyaHistoryClub at gmail.com. Support the club by clicking the referral link in the episode description. We hope you come back next week for another meeting where we can embark on another journey towards the unknown. Again, I'm Camille, and that's Ben, and this has been the Konya History Club. He's gone.